0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bulls Beat Podcast Show, the Chicago Bulls Podcast. Welcome back to the Bulls Beat, Bulls fans. Doug Thomas here with you discussing our Chicago Bulls, and I know there are dozens of you, maybe even 50s of you, still subscribe to this show. Uh, I know it's been a long time. Not sure if I'm going to keep it going, but I thought I would do a podcast in a while. been a weird time in life, pretty busy. But possibly some of those things will be clearing out, and maybe I'll have a little bit more time for Bulls basketball uh, going forward. I'll do at least one more show kind of to discuss individual player analysis. This show is going to be a little bit more macro on the team, on uh, ownership, on general managership, on VP executiveship, I guess you might say. Uh, But looking at all of those types of things, the different plans the Bulls might execute this summer and what they mean. So let's kick it off with the Arturus Karnaschovas press conference. Uh, I mean, he starts off by basically trying to polish a turd. You know, he, he mentions how, you know, Chicago deserves a great team, blah, blah, blah. I always think it's funny. Chicago is just another city, like any other city. Every team's trying to win. We, we have no great advantage. The fact that we're from Chicago and had Michael Jordan doesn't grant us anything in the future. So, these things of, like, oh, you're Chicago, you deserve this, like, it just doesn't, doesn't mean anything. So I, I always throw that kind of stuff out the window. It's just, like, every general manager, you're trying to do the best you can for your team, for the fans, for yourself, you'll get a huge raise. <laughs> you know, nothing, nothing else really matters there. But he starts off talking about how they want to be competitive, how they were a tough out, how they were 14-9 and nine in the second half. There was nothing they could have done at the deadline. In general, super proud of the team, super proud of everyone in it, super proud of all the effort, all the other kind of stuff. Just seemed real happy with the situation, which I don't think really matched uh, what Bulls fans felt. But he tried to spin a narrative like, this season was much better than you think it is. And to some degree, I sort of agree with him. Like, I do think this season was better than you think it is. It's just that it's not that much better. Like, this was a team that probably deserved to win... Three or four more games than they did. Like maybe they should have been a forty-four and thirty-eight team. But if they were a forty-four and thirty-eight team, I, it's not like I'd be like, "Wow, we this was fantastic." You know, they still weren't a team that was going to go anywhere in the playoffs. And you know, the difference between last year and this year is basically just luck in the clutch. Like that's the the primary difference in terms of the wins and losses. And you know, that's a thing that just is going to waver back and forth. And they were super, super elite a year ago, and at the end of the year this year, they balanced out a little bit more in the middle, so it wasn't like they went to like the opposite end and they were just the worst ever, um, though losing three games on calls to the last two-minute report was, was pretty bad. So maybe, maybe I'm being a little bit harsh. Maybe their luck was swung far more negative than I think about it, but they, that was the big difference. So that's it. And, and so you know it's probably like a low 40s-ish win team, but that's not good. So, yeah, luck went against you. They were better than you thought, but not not enough better and, and not meaningfully better. Just a little bit better out of the middle teams. That's it. Um, he, he noted in his press conference a lot about the shot profile, how he said they want to change their shot profile. You know, when discussing three-point shooting and that being brought up, he didn't immediately say we need to bring in shooters. In fact, he didn't say we need to bring in shooters at all. The only thing he referenced about bringing anyone in was, uh, obviously our personnel was like the phrase he used. But otherwise, he discussed the shot profile, said we have good shooters who are passing up open threes to make drives and that we need to change the shot profile to fix the problem. And that was like kind of the first thing he mentioned. So I don't know if I want to take anything for, for, of that. We'll get to that in a second. But like, he wasn't like, yeah, we need to go out and get a bunch of shooters. Um, and overall, the attitude just seemed like he was content to be a perennial first-round exit team. People often complained about Gar Packs and how they could never push the team over the top. This guy is fighting and clawing and using every future asset he has to basically recreate the team that Paxton and Foreman had for their entire tenure here, up until the final failed rebuild of you know just generally always being a first-round exit team, a couple series wins. You know, always being above average but never amazing. Like that That was like 2004 until what, like 2016, 17? You know, it's like you had 13, 14 years of that. These guys would kill for that. They're giving everything they can to do that rather than having a team where, you know, the, the Bulls under the previous regime, they were pretty consistent in their ability to move on from players, continually refresh the talent, continually bring in new people, always maintain flexibility, always have assets to make a big move if one presented themselves. And they never were just really able to do that, and they failed. And then they went to another rebuild, and they probably had confidence that they could rebuild because they'd done so a couple times in the past, and then they just completely flubbed that. Though, you know, ironically, if you had a team of Zach, Lowry, Wendell, Carter, and Kobe right now, you'd maybe feel okay about that young core compared to what they actually have. Uh, so maybe they would have been kind of onto something, I, you know, probably not. I, I always joke. They would have definitely taken Halliburton because of the Iowa state connection. And he was a complete total packs guy. I, I think that's the team they would have had. I think they would have kept everyone, but anyway, it doesn't matter. I don't want to get into the nonsense of comparing this regime to the last regime because it doesn't make a difference. Just that to note one of the big complaints about them is they were content being a first round treadmill exit team that everyone was upset about. and, and, AK, it looks like he's, he's targeting that. Like, he's not even there. You know, we missed the playoffs two out of his three years here. One of them we call a gap year as he was evaluating. And, you know, I've discussed before on the Big Red Buzz how he basically misevaluated the entire roster. You go, missed on every major decision that he made. So, um, anyway, I didn't feel great about the Karnaschovas press conference, but here's what I'm going to say about that. It doesn't matter. Like, nothing he said matters. What matters is what he does. Like, it just I mean, you can say whatever you want in this press conference. He can't mention specific players because it's tampering. You know, he can't really go out and say a whole lot. He could have been more damning of the situation and said, yes, we need to make big changes or whatever. But there's not, like, a real reason to do that because it boxes him in. And as I go through the plans, you're going to see that probably running it back, even though it makes you want to gouge out your eyes, is not that bad of a plan. You know, we'll discuss that in some detail a little bit later on in the show. So uh, before we go into all the plans, I would like to discuss a little bit of, I think, what went wrong, assuming you're like me and you, you feel that being in a situation, some things have gone wrong, uh, what went wrong and why. And I have used the phrase recently on Twitter, fundamental attribution error. This front office either has a bunch of fundamental attribution error or they just bank on the fact that fans have it when describing the moves that they make. So you're a 30-ish win team, and you decide you're going to trade you know, a whole pile of future assets for Nikola Vucevic. And so what's your theory behind this? You know know he has a short shelf life left in the NBA. I mean, one, centers generally don't last long. And I know people say his age, his game will age gracefully because he's a shooter, whatever. He had one good shooting year in his career. I love to point that out. People always say, oh, his shooting just fell off. No, his shooting didn't really fall off. He had one good year in his career. And when we traded him for him, he was only halfway through that one good year. Like, it's not like this guy has been shooting threes. Go look it up. He's had like a couple good percentage years, but one of them was on low volume. Only one high volume, high percentage year in his career. So, he's just not really an established good shooter, so that shouldn't be a surprise. Anyway, um, you know, Vooch, his offensive game may not decline dramatically, but defense always declines. Every time you lose a step, every time you get older, your ability to defend anything, and especially at that position, becomes worse and worse. Centers just don't last a super long period of time. So you know you're putting a clock on everything when you do that. And you know you're really far away. And you know, you're not going to do anything immediately after that trade deadline, which they didn't. And you know, make the playoffs after that. So then you go into the offseason, you make some moves, and now you have a chance. And, you know, it kind of starts off hot, but they don't really beat anyone. I think people overestimate how good that group was. They didn't have a good net rating. They weren't good in advanced stats. They had a lot of wins. But, you know, I didn't really project out as a really great team, even though I had a really great record. And so, anyway, that then falls apart. You know, Lonzo is gone. A lot of people blamed it falling apart on Lonzo being gone, and Lonzo absolutely would help with a lot of the big problems uh, that they had after he left. But you make this fundamental attribution error, like, why would I make this trade? One, it's like, well, I'm going to get from A to B, and then I'm going to go from B to C later. I'm going to figure out how to, I'm going to just like, this trade's going to get me from where I am to this better spot, but I'm going to have to then figure it out later. Well, the problem with that is you're wrong, because you didn't give yourself enough left to improve. You made all these moves. You used up all your cap room. You traded all your first picks away. You can't trade another first round pick until 2028 or something and you're really far away like i mean after all these moves were made vegas had the bulls as like a 39 win team they they did a little better than that and they won what, like 45 games 40 i think is it 45 i want to say and then you know they won 40 this year you're just too far away to like make the next moves and then you used up everything you could possibly have to improve the team from there and you're like well now how do i go from you know b to c well you know we got to b but we used everything we had to get to b And we did so with players that weren't going to last a real long time. You know, if you look at the future assets you traded, you traded away, uh, effectively, you traded away Lowry, you traded away Wendell Carter Jr., you traded away three first-round picks. And, you know, look, those are two young players that had some value. And, you know, Lowry went on to have a lot more value than we expected. It wasn't required that we trade him. We just did trade him and Wendell Carter has been fine like he's he's like maybe a fifth starter on a team you know or a rotation player third big second big you know kind of in that role and he's on a fine contract fine player but nothing like incredibly big to lose but you traded guys that had potential there and and three first round picks so it's it's like a lot of your war chest of things that other teams would find desirable to were moved to get to this point or things that could have helped you improve were moved to get to this point. So now you don't have much in the way of draft capital. You don't have much in the way of up and comers. You don't have anything in the way of cap space. And so how do you get from B to C? And the answer is effectively you don't, and you need to do it like in the next year because, you know, Vooch is getting older, Demar is getting older, Demar is going to need an extension or something else soon. So you you just, you just we're too far away to make those types of moves. You can't go from A to B and then B to C by using all of your assets on short term players you needed to go from A to B with things that had a long runway to give yourself time. And you still need to leave yourself something in the tank to go from B to C afterwards. So this idea, this, this thing that, well, all we got to do is we'll become an average team and then we'll figure out how to go from average to good later. It's just a bad idea. That's not how a plan works unless you have, you know, the full part of the B to C figured that out later. And they didn't do that. Uh, the second thing is they said like once we get these players, we're gonna attract better players. Like we're gonna we're gonna change the reputation of the Chicago Bulls, and then then we're gonna be able to attract players. You know what happened when John Paxson took over the Chicago Bulls in 2003? The team that maybe like the worst reputation you could possibly imagine. Like you think they're a clown show now? Imagine a period of time where. Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, who are NBA royalty at this moment, both hate the Bulls and are trashing them, you know, any chance they can get because they don't like ownership and there's, like, all this bad blood at the end of the dynasty. And they've had the worst record in the league for five years. You know, two, three years later, they signed Ben Wallace away from the Detroit Pistons who had won a title with him. And why were they able to do that? Not because... They traded all their assets to make the first round, but because they had a chance to win, they established a chance to win and they established a window and they still had cap room left afterwards to sign him. So let's just say for the moment that the Bulls were able to, and I guess they were technically at the end of last year, you know, like a 45-win team, they, they become solid and they had some excitement, especially for a while. Why could they not parlay that and anything else? Well, one, they had no cap room to sign anyone. Two, they could not offer a first-round pick in a trade. So say Kevin Durant said, you know what? I want to go to Chicago. What could we have offered? A 2028 first-round pick for Kevin Durant and then who on our roster? Like you couldn't even get into the bidding for a star player because you had nothing left to offer in a trade. You couldn't do the Timberwolves' four first-round picks for Rudy Gobert if you wanted to and thank goodness we didn't want to. And so when looking at trying to be better in order to fit players onto the roster and to, to make other people want to come here and to be able to acquire other players, like part of it is you need to be better, but then part of it is you have to have something left to make that happen. You have to have cap room for them to sign. You have to have assets to pull off a trade. You have to have a real chance to win after a player comes there. A player has to look at your team and say, I think if I was on this team, we'd have a chance to win. And no one looked at the Bulls that way. When Kevin Durant was shopping teams and he had named like six teams he'd accept a trade for or whatever it was, the Bulls weren't on his list. Like this is just something that mi- just misinterprets why players go to teams and why they avoid them. They don't look at like, oh wow, this team is just a clown show in the front office. I don't want to go there. Like that might be true, but the reason they think they're a clown show is because they're losing. You know, if you trade everything in the world to be a fringe playoff team, no one thinks like, oh, wow, they they got to this point. If they get rid of those guys but add me, now they're going to be amazing. Like they have to think that you can, the team can still be good after they come. And the Bulls were nowhere near able to pull that off. They didn't get into a position where, where other people thought, wow, this is an up-and-coming team. I want to join them we're going to have a good runway and if they just add me it'll be great and then have enough assets to pull that off but no one you know of of the guys who want to mo- get moved we never heard the bulls name mentioned as a possible destination for any of them so it just it just didn't work so we we hatched this plan of like we're going to get these guys we're going to get to this other kind of like average state and then all of a sudden profit like i call it like the undernome plan it's it's like First we steal all the underno, uh, we steal all the underwear. Then question question question, and then profit. First we get a bunch of guys to get us to be a first round exit team, you know, with no runway and no assets left. Then question question question, and then championship. Well, it's impossible to fill out the question marks. All right, so, so kind of the, that's sort of like the background of how we landed in this part. And I'm sorry I took fifteen minutes to get you there because it's probably mostly review. But that's kind of the background of how we got to this part and why it was just a poorly thought out strategy to begin with. It just wasn't a good strategy to begin with. So let's look at where the team is right now. So we're a 40-win team. As I said, I think this team was actually better than that, even though they only won 40. Like, I I think they probably deserved to win at least 43, right? Like, that would be the three games they got kind of screwed in the last two-minute report on. So this is a team that's probably realistically around a 43, 44-win team, like an average team, you know, slightly above average, but, you know, basically an average team. And you know, start looking at now, how does that position us going into next year? Um, so we'll start looking at some opportunities and some risks. And first, we're going to look at the opportunities. So Pat, Kobe, Io, assuming some of those guys will be back, and, and Dale and Terry to some extent as well, they have the opportunity to improve. They're young guys. I, I think Pat Williams showed me something, and I'll discuss more in a later podcast about the players individually, but showed me something at the end of the year when he got moved to the bench. He started playing a lot better, and I think that was, that was a good situation for him to get away from all the usage that was just sucked up by Zach, DeMar, and Vooch in the starting lineup. Uh, Kobe White, I, I think he had a really solid season, didn't put up big numbers, but he looked better doing everything this year. And I, I think we're going to keep him. We'll see what happens. Depends on the cost, of course, but I think we'll keep Kobe White. I think he could extend that better play into a larger role than he had last year. But it will depend if a larger role is available. Io, I'm less certain whether we keep. Uh, if we do keep him, you know, yeah, definitely has some room to improvement. It was a down year for him, but a lot of guys who have a sophomore slump, you know, bounce back again in the third year It is it, sort of common. You know, I mean, they even have a phrase, the sophomore slump for it. So I'm, I'm not panicked about Io yet. I don't know if I view him as a super high ceiling guy, but I, I definitely think he can play better. And. He is a player still who prototypically could play both ways, and if he can just fix his three-point shot, I think he could be really valuable for the team if they're able to keep him. Again, he's also a free agent, and you know his play this year has probably removed any of those weird doomsday Gilbert Arenas provision uh, scenarios where we thought maybe we wouldn't be able to, to sign him. Uh, now I think that uh, he'll, he'll, he'll be here if we want him. So we'll see how that goes. And then Dalen Terry didn't get much of a chance. I, I don't see much in Dalen Terry, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, we can find better players at the vet minute. You know, we started to get out a decent amount out of uh, Dragic early in the year. It didn't end up that way. Pat Bev came in and gave us a big lift you know, at the, the deadline. I, th- I think his lift was overrated, but definitely gave us some lift. So we might might be able to find a better player or maybe even Pat Bev for the whole year. I think Pat Bev is going to get more than the minimum, though. You know, he signed with us as a bio candidate, but I don't think he's going to uh, sign for the minimum again. And if he does sign for the minimum, it's probably not going to be with us. Uh, I think he did this, signed with us to see if he could get out a better contract. And I think that's probably what what will end up happening. He will end up getting a better contract. So we'll see what happens there. But, you know, it's a possibility. You can get more out of your, your stretch signings. Uh, Going into the decision making season, we know Lonzo Ball's status. You know, I mean, I have to assume last year in early July when they're going through free agency that they presumed that Lonzo Ball was going to play. I mean, I think we all presumed Lonzo Ball was going to play until the news came out in September that he needed, you know, a second surgery. So I think now they know, even though Arturis wouldn't really outright say, you know, we know Lonzo Ball's out for the year, he's just kind of like, Danced around the question, said he has confidence he'll come back, but there's no timeline, blah, blah, blah. Like, I think knowing that Lonzo probably misses the year, you know, in like right now and then when we're making decisions in July, should give us a better chance to like hedge, hedge that. You know, we should do better. We know we need to bring in a point guard, we should do something and, and think about it a little better than we did last year. We were really unlucky in those close games. I mentioned the three losses on the last two-minute report a couple times already. But we were, we were just generally unlucky in close games. And so, you know, that was something we were really great at a couple of years ago. I, I always think, like, really close scores are just fluky. You know, a game, you can beat anyone any given day. So if you just want to get down to there's, like, a minute left in the games within three points, like, that's just going to go any which way. It, it just is. Like, you just any given day, that can go any which way with any team. So if you find yourself in a lot of those games, you know, you're, you're going to have a lot more randomness in your result. And average teams find themselves in a lot more of those games, right? By definition, if you're a really great team, you're blowing teams out. If you're a really bad team, you're getting blown out. So it's the average teams that tend to be in these types of like 50-50 games more often and are going to have more variance. And it's why you can like bounce between, you know, say like 35 and 45 wins a lot without really having a whole lot of different differences in your talent year to year because it just can be a lot more flukiness in some of those close games. And so there's some opportunity for that. Uh, the risks, I, DeMar and Vooch, assuming that Vooch comes back, are, are going to decline. They, they just are. Like you're saying like, oh, well, their games will age gracefully. I'm not saying they're going to be 50% worse, but they're going to be worse. And they're definitely going to be worse on defense. And both of these guys struggle defensively already. DeMar is, is, is very poor defensively. Vooch is an interesting guy defensively because the real problem is not that he, he's awful. It's just he's awful at the things you need him to be good at. And what I mean by that, he's a smart positional defender. He plays the drop defense well, but he's not a rim protector and he can't get out on switches. So it's like you're really limited in what you can do with him on the floor and he's playing the most important defensive position. So to have limitations there, like even if he's good within his limitations and he's, he's a great defensive rebounder and that, that really helps you out a lot. I mean, it really does. Even if it's not part of defense in in the sense of stopping a shot, like offensive rebounds are really high percentage opportunities for the team. And, and Vucevic helps you uh, eliminate a huge amount of those with his defensive rebounding ability. So, you know, he, he does some things, but, you know, those guys are going to decline. They're going to be at least a little bit slower defensively. And there's definitely always the chance of offensive decline. So we'll see what happens uh, with that. The other thing I think, which is a risk that people haven't really considered much, the Bulls were unbelievably healthy last year. I've said this a few times on, on the Big Red of Us, but... Here here are the games missed, and I'm going to talk about this because your first reaction is to say, well, Lonzo missed the whole season. Well, Lonzo missed the whole season without playing a game. He didn't get injured during the season. Guys get hurt generally while they're playing games. So Lonzo being out for the whole season, you know, he didn't soak up any minutes. So it's like him being out didn't prevent anyone else from getting hurt. You know, so you look at like the Bulls' top six players that actually played, and I'm going to say those top six players this year in terms of ability on the court were Zach, DeMar, Caruso, Vooch, Pat, and Kobe. And in that order. And so looking at those six guys, here are the games missed. 5, 8, 15. That's Caruso, 0, zero 8. So your two guys missed a total of two best guys on the team. Undisputed best guys on the team missed a total of 13 games. That's really low. And, and that total overall of 36 games out of your top six guys, an average of six games per guy for your top six guys, that's really, really low. When you look around the league and I, I just kind of glance at a bunch of teams, it's like half of what everyone else did. And so you gotta go in the next season. I'm not saying like, oh, there, someone has to get hurt, but you gotta go into next season expecting you're not gonna lose like half the games to your top, you know, six rotation players that the rest of the league does. You're not gonna have half as many injuries. Like it could happen, but especially like Zach's got an injury history, Caruso's got injury history. And, you know, Vooch and DeMar are both at an age where, you know, it's just more likely that you get injured. So it's just, it would just be weird. It's just gonna be weird if it works out that way, where just this is another thing that is really up and down year to year. A team that has really great health one year often does not have really great health the next year. Just random chance, because it's variable, just like clutch. And so this is the opposite. This one went really heavily in our favor. And it's going to go really against us next year, more likely than not, compared to this year at least. And Lonzo's out for the whole year again. So if you just want to – I mean, the Lonzo thing is going to be a wash, but the in-game injury is probably going to bite us worse. Um, so that, that's kind of like at a high level. I think those are the biggest things that are likely to change. You know, you got some guys rising. you got some guys falling. Probably going to miss more games to injury. Uh, and, and I don't think the Bulls have, like, tons and tons of depth. So those injuries, if you did miss, say you missed Zach for 30 games, like what would this team have looked like? Or if you missed DeMar for 30 games, what would this team have looked like? I think it would have been, you know, pretty bad. You know, you, and if you missed Vooch for 30 games, you effectively wouldn't have a center. I mean, like you couldn't have played Drummond like a ton of minutes. Like if you've seen him out there, you just couldn't. He's, he's just someone would need to get him into shape. He'd have a heart attack and die if he had to play 30 minutes a night for like half the season. So I think that's just one of those things where it's like it, it, it could definitely go against you a lot. And we took for granted how healthy this team was, especially after Zach missed the first two games of the season to effectively only miss three more the rest of the way. And we had all these concerns about how many games you would play. Uh, really worked out well for, for the Bulls last year. Uh, so now, anyway, that's kind of like a little bit of the high level of like what would naturally happen that's in our favor and what can naturally happen that's going to go against us, at least in my opinion. And so we're going to look now at the various plans the Bulls might execute next year. And I'm going to put these into basically three categories. Uh, there is the run it back plan, the trade the old guys plan, and the trade everyone slash blow it up plan. Uh, we'll start with the run it back plan and the reason why we, we might do this. And I'm sorry, I, before that, let me, let me go over the cap a little bit. Uh, our cap situation the Bulls could renounce everyone, not bring back any free agents, and they would have 16 million in cap space. The mid level exception is 11 million, so they could use 16 million in cap room plus the room exception, which I think is about 5 million. Sorry, I didn't write it down. Uh, so, probably getting one $16 million player and one $5 million player is not a really great way to optimize the roster, which is why the Run It Back plan has some, some value. You're $43 million total under the tax. Uh, with the players that are on the roster now. So using exceptions to sign Vuch, Kobe, Io, uh, Javante, Green, potentially, and the mid-level exception and a, a disabled player exception, I don't think we'll probably try to get it because I think we won't have room to use it under the tax anyway. But to use all of those things, you would have to stay 43, under $43 million roughly to avoid paying the tax. Uh, You have eight guys under contract, assuming that DJJ and Andre Drummond opt in. I don't know if that will be the case. They both make around $3 million. Uh, So they're only a shade above the vet men, so it won't give you a whole lot of extra room if they opt out, and probably not a lot of extra room relative to the caliber of those players. Uh, But assuming those guys opt in, you have eight guys under contract, and I'll assume we'll Probably try to keep Vooch, Kobe, Io. use the mid-level exception, sign one guy to the vet minimum, and that would give us $41 million to spend on Vooch, Kobe, Io, and the mid-level exception total. Uh, there is some chance, I know you're going to laugh at this, and I laugh at it a little bit, but there's some chance the Bulls might even be willing to pay the luxury tax because, uh, waiting for details, it's been reported that they're going to try to make the luxury tax a lot less punitive for the teams that are just barely into it. And to give teams that are barely into it a little bit more flexibility, so we'll see if that actually happens. Uh, I'm not optimistic. The thing that has been thrown out there is possibly teams that are barely into the tax still getting the luxury tax payout from the teams that are, you know, paying a ton of money into the tax. Which means if you go like right now, if you go like one million in and then you lose a 12 million payout and you pay an extra, you know, million and a half, now you're you're losing out like. million for the extra $1 million in salary. And so that initial foray in is really expensive. And so that would be one way to make it a lot less punitive for the the teams that just, you know, barely dip a toe in. So we'll see what that happens. I'm I'm not optimistic. I think we'll probably avoid the tax either way. But if it does become considerably less punitive, then, you know, maybe there's a chance. So we'll wait to see what happens there. Uh, There's some chance they would look for the disabled player exception. Uh, given the, the restrictions, but only if basically Vooch Kobe walk, and then we have the extra money that we can use under the tax. Otherwise, there's just not really a lot of purpose for it. Uh, we're not going to spend an extra $10 million into the tax to use that exception. I'd be shocked if we did that. So, so whether you think ownership is cheap and you hate it or whatever, I always say this. If I owned a team, I wouldn't be paying the tax for a team I expect to lose in the first round. You got to convince me. You're going to get to the second round if you want me to go into the luxury tax. You just got to. I think that's a fair a fair thing for an owner to ask to say, "You know what? Get to the top 8 and then I'm going to open up the purse. But until then, like just not going to happen." And maybe if you're in a situation where you've got a Giannis, Young Giannis or Young Doncic on your roster, you would think differently because you want to convince those guys to stay but the Bulls don't have such a player. There's just there's really no motivation for a team that doesn't have anyone they have to keep, that doesn't have any, like, superstar talent, and doesn't look like it has really any hope of getting out of the first round. So probably not. All right, so that's kind of the, the tax, uh, or, sorry, the, the cap situation. I guess also the tax situation. It's kind of the situation financially that the Bulls will be looking at. So uh, the various plans, the run it back plan. And here's the good things about the running back, running it back plan. One, it allows us to add the most talent. Just straight away, you know, you can basically spend up to the tax line with this plan. You're going to keep Vooch, Kobe, Io, and you're going to get someone for the mid-level exception, probably. If you do those three things plus that one player to be named later, uh, that's just going to be more talent than if you spend $16 million on one player and then you spend $5 million on a second room player and then add guys at the vet minimum. Like, that's kind of like you're under the cap plan. So it just makes more sense. You know, second, you don't have to pursue this plan with the thought of, I just want to keep these guys forever. You can trade them later. You might even keep a Kobe White or Nikola Vucevic just so you can execute a trade later. Uh, it's possible, obviously, you can move either in a sign and trade as well, but there's a fair chance that you might keep these guys just so you can use them in a trade later and just to keep assets because you do have more uh, total talent. Uh, Obviously, this team probably is going to win the most games of any of the plans that I'm going to mention today. And so I like it when the Bulls win. You know, I'm not a championship or bust guy. I obviously want them to win a title. I'm kind of like a at least be competitive or bust guy. Like, I don't want to go all in to not really be competitive. Like, I feel you should at least get to a second round ceiling team and then feel like, all right, now I can if I get to the top eight and I'm now hoping for a miracle, at least I'm in the top eight, (laughs) you know, like at least I'm winning a playoff series, maybe close in that second series. And then, then I lose, like I at least have reason to hope and dream every year. You know, if I'm a team that's like, I don't see how I'm going to get out of the first round. Like I'm not, not too excited about that. Unless my team is really young and I can start dreaming like, yeah, this guy, this guy, and this guy is going to get better. And then we have these assets and we're going to trade for this guy. And then we can still get better. Like we have flexibility. There are things we can do. You know, so I have to I have to feel like there's hope, and uh, you know, being a first round exit team when there's not a lot of hope is is a lot different than being one where there is a lot of hope. And the Bulls right now are a first round exit team with a lot of hope, but this plan still gives us the most wins, and, and, and it's not nothing. I don't want to pretend it's nothing. Like it's not nothing to actually be able to watch a team and feel like, yeah, I like you know, I, they have a hope of winning every game they're in. You know, they're going to win half their games this year or, or a little bit more. Like there, there's a, like some value to that. You know, beyond just being really bad, it's really tough to watch a team going through a deep rebuild. Like, it's just when you're winning 23 games a year, you got to be a diehard to want to watch that. Even if you enjoy watching young players develop, you got to be a diehard to want to watch that. Uh, so, cons. Well, we know this team has no headroom. I discussed that pretty, pretty in depth. You know, at the beginning of the show, uh, feels like we're just delaying the inevitable. Like, you kind of feel like we're gonna have to rebuild anyway. So, might as well just rip off the Band-Aid. And we're avoiding ripping off the Band-Aid of another year of mediocrity. Uh, And then also, good chance, like, our assets just devalue further. You know, like DeMar, I think if you traded him at last summer, and and I I recommended we trade him last summer, I think you could have probably got two first-round picks from someone for him. You know, I said I would have been all over DeMar plus Vooch for uh, Westbrook plus the Lakers two picks, and I think that deal probably would have been on the table in the offseason. And uh, I think that would have been better. I'd be happy with that compared to where we are. you know. And you know, we'll see. Uh, so now I'm gonna, the second plan is I'm going to call it the trade the old guys plan. Uh, so you trade the DeRozan for whatever you can get. I'm going to talk about some DeMar trades down at the bottom, and you're going to really hate me when I say <laughs> what they are because it's what I looked around, and, and hopefully you can find better. But I didn't, I didn't see a lot out there. Now you never know if someone like a Houston going to be like, yeah, we just got to bring in a veteran. <laughs> like and then maybe maybe offers a little bit more but um, maybe not a lot out there but so you trade you trade DeMar uh the pros you're going to open up shots for Kobe and Pat to see what they can do like if you want to say maybe this team could be something in a younger iteration around Pat Kobe and Zach and then you know whatever else you can do by bringing in role players that better fit those guys uh, have a more modern offense get rid of all these mid-range jumpers have more guys shooting threes you know space the floor better you know, stuff like that, trading to Mars what opens that up. Um, and, and so I think it does give you a chance to know what Pat Williams can do prior to signing him to an extension. Um, it does give Kobe a chance to shine. It does get you back in line with the NBA meta of shooting a lot of threes and spacing the floor a lot better. Um, so we'd, we'd see what that does. And it, and it does get us out of this, like, really short-term uh, situation that we're now. Uh, cons, you know, it's, it's really unlikely to me that Pat and Kobe step up to fill that void. <laughs> like, people who are a fan of this planet, and I think there's kind of, like, some growing momentum behind it, um, and I could see why you would want to execute it, too. I do think the people who say that, they underestimate just how much usage DeMar is giving you and how efficient he is on that and how hard it is to replicate that. And then also just all of what you can get out of him in the clutch, you know, when you need a shot maker, which a lot of times is really what comes down to winning or losing games. I I think it's going to be hard to execute this plan without a decent drop-off. And then if you do have a decent drop-off and Zach and Vooch are out, I'm sorry, uh, Demar and Vooch are out, how long is it going to be before Zach Levine asks out? Like, I think it's going to be really hard to execute the let DeMar and Vuc plan go without sacrificing Zach Levine. Like, there is a human side to this, and Zach Levine loves both these guys. He wants to play with better players. He's been through a lot of these rebuilds and young player-type things. He's at a point in his career where he wants to be in the playoffs every year, I'm sure. He wants to make his legacy there. I'm sure he wants to win a title just like every player. I don't think he's going to tolerate another build. Uh, rebuild, And so that basically maybe puts you into the third plan, which is trade everyone. Uh, basically, we're going to start what looks like the inevitable. We're going to get the most assets possible because you're going to move guys while they still have as much value left, whatever that is. Um, it, it may be the only practical way to move Demar and Vooch just because what I said above, like I just don't think you can convince Zach to stay through another rebuild. And then as I noted, Zach was like remarkably healthy last year for a guy who has shown a lot of signs that, like, maybe he's not going to have a super long, healthy career. Uh, You know, knock on wood, I hope that he stays just as healthy this, you know, upcoming season and, and in the future as he did this past year. But, you know, he's got the ACL injury. He's had, like, knee soreness a lot of times. There's just been enough signs around Zach that makes me just enough nervous that I'm like, I don't know that this is like, if you gamble on him another year and he has another injury, like all of a sudden, whatever value you think is there is probably going to be a lot less. And so, you know, I think this could be a sell high opportunity on Zach. I don't know what the market's going to be. One trade I've thrown out there a few times on the big red bus and maybe on Twitter and certainly on real GM trade Zach to the Orlando magic for the bulls pick and a Magic pick both this year, assuming neither team wins the lottery. A 2025 first-round pick, top four protected. And then you throw in uh, Jonathan Isaac and Gary Harris. Salaries basically match exactly, if I remember correctly or close enough. And people would say, well, why would the Magic do that? If you look at the Magic, they have like a, just a crap ton of young players, none of which are super great, and a bunch of which have been recent draft picks in the same range. I don't think it would be hard for the Magic to look at their roster and go, you know what, we could take another chance on getting two more young guys, but probably getting an established star player might be a good plan. (laughs) You know, like we've not really knocked it out of the park with our draft picks, and so maybe we're better off just getting a star player. I don't think they could get anyone better than Zach Levine, and Zach doesn't play the position of any of the young players that are really – looking decent in their rotation. Now, anyway, if they could target a single position to get a guy at, it would probably be shooting guard. So there's some synergy there. Uh, you know, would the Bulls get something amazing out of these two picks? Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's not like they're going to be amazing picks. That, that would probably be, what, 6-11, and 11, I think it is. The Bulls won a tiebreaker, so right now they're slotted at 11, assuming no one moves ahead of them, which is unlikely. I want to say the Magic were 6th off the top of my head if they don't win is a chance someone can move ahead of them a pretty decent one. So, you know, 6 and 11, 7 and 11, something like that. Uh, would the Bulls get great players out of that? Like, n- probably not elite players, but like that starts your rebuild if you're going to rebuild better than probably anything else you're going to be able to do. Like, you're probably not going to do better than getting two lottery picks, you know, and get them right away and, and get to move from there. So, uh, is, is that great? You know, if you're able to get like another pick for Alex Caruso, if you're able to get another one for. Demar de if you're able to get something for nikola vucevic in a sign-in trade and you're able to add three four more you know assets coming up and then you're really bad this year and then whatever like in the pure tank uh range and you just got to see what happens you know but at least you now have assets kind of like re-added to your your group and and they're probably better than what you're going to get if you wait and so uh i i don't think that it's like, certainly the front office is not going to do this plan, like 0% chance of happening, but it's it's like another plan. Um, and, I, and I do think you would get the most assets if you execute the rebuild now versus waiting. Uh, the cons of this plan, uh, obviously, due to the poorly thought out previous plan, we're down a lot of resources that we should be. Uh, so it's going to be difficult to execute a rebuild. and It's going to be lengthy, and that's going to suck. Like, are you excited to watch two three years of, you know, 20 win Bulls basketball, like probably not, probably not. So it's, it's, it's going to be painful. And, and, you know, the only reason you would go with this plan is if you just assume it's going to be painful no matter what you do. And I, I don't think that's a bad assumption. I, I probably assume that's true, but do you want to just rip the bandaid off now and get started? Or do you think there's some way out of this uh, that doesn't require it? And, and, you know, uh, Arturis is definitely going to pursue the. Let me see if I can find a way out of this that doesn't require a long rebuild. Uh, so then I'm going to finish it off with a couple of trades I thought of, DeMar DeRozan, just to make you throw up in your mouth a little bit. Uh, so, first trade to the Timberwolves, you know, who, they're struggling in the playoffs right now. They're going to get their butts kicked uh, by Denver. You know, they just got annihilated in the first game. They've got all kinds of weird drama already around Rudy, Bo- ro- yeah, Rudy Gobert. They can't get rid of him. And. You know, they've got to bring in someone and their team that shows desperation. So my my trade to the Timberwolves is DeMar DeRozan for Mike Conley and Kyle Anderson. And so I look at this trade for the Bulls' perspective, and I think, all right, we get a, you know, starting point guard who can shoot threes and play a little defense, you know, aging, not as good as it used to be. We get Kyle Anderson, who's like at least another power forward that could be in the rotation you know, solid rotation player. Uh, You now have better three-point shooting overall, more modern NBA offense. You got to hope then that Pat Williams steps up, Kobe White steps up, and that, you know, overall, maybe that gives you a chance to stay the course, be, uh, you know, a little bit better for the year. But the thing is, it's like, neither of these guys are real young, so it's not like they're helping you for this really extended period of time. Uh, The Timberwolves don't have anything else meaningful to throw in this. I don't know if there's like some prospect you want on their roster or something. Uh, so I think like, yeah, maybe you could do that if you just feel the fit would be better and you want uh, Patrick Williams to have more opportunity and more usage and be in the starting lineup. But it probably isn't going to make the team a lot better uh, to the Nets for Joe Harris, Patty Mills and some type of picks like I I, <laughs> I don't know. It's like the Nets seem like a, a team that, you know, they've, they've done it better than you would have thought without Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Uh, which maybe not saying much, but Mikel Bridges looks like a player since he went there. Uh, maybe they would be down for getting a veteran uh, to throw onto the roster and help ease the scoring load, give them a clutch guy at the end, and you know see if they can you know still stay competitive. You know they don't have any incentive to lose, and that's like not a lot of guys to give up. Again, Joe Harris and you know fits the Bulls roster in, in terms of adding shooting, which is something that they want to do. Uh, but again, just a huge talent downgrade, and I. I'm not sure what the net situation on picks is. I think they have some from Philadelphia now from the Simmons trade with, um, with Philadelphia, but, uh, God, blanked on James Harden's name for like five minutes. My bad <laughs> with the Harden Simmons trade. I think they got a couple of picks there. Their own picks are out though to Houston. So, Not a lot of incentive uh, for them to lose, so they they would maybe be willing to do that, but it just doesn't seem like they're going to have a whole lot to offer you, even if you get a pick from the 76ers It doesn't project out as a super amazing pick. Speaking of the 76ers, maybe Tobias Harris for DeMar DeRozan. If they want to hedge losing James Harden and add another scorer uh, who could be a clutch guy on that team, maybe he would fit in there, and maybe Harris being... A little bit more well-rounded than Demar would be okay. It would also save the 76ers uh, quite a bit of money, and it would allow them to use the mid-level exception. It would do the reverse for us. It would uh, remove our ability to use the mid-level exception, so probably something we wouldn't do. But maybe it would also add like a better-fitting piece. Um, if, and if and then again, you're you're doing these trades, any of them, in the hopes that basically with more opportunity, that uh, Kobe White and Pat Williams play a lot better. Not really that you're going to get. Uh, a better deal than DeMar for these guys and then I thought like the Orlando Magic just kind of like looking up and down their roster I don't follow the Magic real closely so or really any team in the NBA outside the Bulls super closely they have like a ton of young guys who are all sort of meh and maybe some of those guys are just kind of like they don't believe in it all anymore but they were high draft picks and maybe you'd want to take a chance on them as reclamation projects like I I just think, and they've got filler guys they can throw in there and Gary Harris or Jonathan Isaac to match salaries. So there, there might be some different combinations there. They also might consider giving you, you know, at least the Bulls draft pick back um, or maybe something else. They got draft assets. So if the Magic wanted to get a veteran to get better right away, I, I feel like there's probably opportunity there to do something, just like I mentioned in the Zach Levine trade. So um, when you hear all those trades, like I said, throwing it up in your mouth, not real excited about it, And I think that is where I've come to on DeMar DeRozan. The window to trade him was last year. The Bulls blew it by not doing it. And now I think, you know, when you're only got one playoff run left in him before he's a free agent, he's a lot less appealing than when he had two playoff runs left in him as a free agent. And then obviously this year was a little bit down from last year, though he still had a solid year. Was still an All Star this year, so I think in that sense maybe repeating that All Star thing, you know, gave him a little bit more. I don't know, limelight, I, but no, I think, I think just overall is values loss. So I don't expect uh, the bulls to get much from them. And so when I run all of these things in, I've, I've been on team trade, everyone kind of like forever. And I, I still sort of am, I don't mind actually two years of really bad if we get something out of it. But uh, I think in the end that I, I don't think uh, trade, everyone is remotely on the table, which then gets me back to, I think we're in plan, run it back. I think we're going to add Nikola Vucevic. I think we're going to add Gobi White. I think we're going to keep Ayo And that's basically going to be the Bulls offseason. And we're going to look at using whatever part of the middle of the exception is left. Probably, say, 8 million of the 11 million. I'm going to just wild guess. We're going to use maybe 8 million to try and add one more rotation player. Uh, to the mix. Uh, This assumes Javante Green walks. There might be some thought of us trying to keep Javante Green as well. Maybe he signs again for the minimum. I mean, I think he was playing well enough for us that he might look for more than that, but then he missed 50 games. So uh, maybe that's just too big of a negative for him to find anything else. It kind of depends on his situation. I think, yeah, I I think it'd be interesting because if you want to try to improve shooting and you want to add some shooters on the roster at the minimum, you know, Javante Green probably has to go just to make room for another roster spot. Um, again, pending a lot on what happens with Andre Drummond and with Derek Jones Jr., though if Andre Drummond leaves, you s- still need to sign a backup center to a spot. So, like, in the end, uh, no matter how you slice this, it- it's going to be difficult for the Bulls to bring everyone back and still add more shooters. Uh, it's just, it's just going to be a hard thing to accomplish. Anyway, that will wrap it up for this edition of the Bulls Beat. I hope you enjoyed the very lengthy solo podcast again i'm gonna try and throw one more out there not too long kind of discussing each player in depth and what i thought about their season uh what i think about them going forward you know maybe we'll look for that in a couple weeks when i have enough time to, to put one out and uh yeah maybe maybe we'll just keep this thing going until next time uh go bulls